We welcome into the program from the Dallas Cowboys Network, Kyle Yeomans. Kyle, good morning. How are you? Great. How are you? I'm, I feel like I'm still uh, still winding down on draft weekend coverage. Like I feel like I, I, you know, that feeling whenever it's the first day of summer for for students out there, and it's like, okay, what do I do now? Now you got to fill your time. That's what I feel like right now. So always glad to hop on with you guys. Give us your overall impressions of of the Cowboy draft. In in, in you know, I've I've seen so many different views on, on this draft. And I, w- I just want to get your take. You know, I, I feel like it was more of a draft for the future than it was draft for now. And, and really that was what was kind of uh, mind boggling for me going into it, because with the way that this roster was constructed and the way that, that things kind of worked out from an off season standpoint, you thought that this draft was going to be a, okay, let's go get somebody who can go play right now. And and they certainly did that to a certain extent, but it wasn't the same way that you thought they would. You look at first-round pick Tyler Smith. I mean, a first-round pick is supposed to be an immediate starter on your ball club. And Tyler Smith is expected to challenge for the left guard spot uh, going into week one and then maybe slide back out to tackle at some point. Uh, either if it's a Tyron Smith injury this year or following Tyron Smith's retirement in a couple of years, uh, then Tyler Smith would be that tackle. But he's a short-term solution at guard and a long-term solution at tackle. So hey, Kyle, was that was that the, was that the plan all along for him to? to... I think it, Go ahead. I think it was. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. But yeah, yeah I think it was. I think that going into the draft and the way that they, they fell in love with Tyler Smith as a prospect, they like seeing his ceiling and they like seeing what he brings from a futuristic standpoint. There's even murmurs, Tom, that, that in the middle of the uh, his decision-making, because he was a late declare into the NFL draft and he's only 21 years old. He had two years of eligibility left out of Tulsa. There were rumors that Alabama was on his his recruiting trail, trying to get him to transfer to Alabama, be the starting left tackle for the Crimson Tide, and then be a top five pick in a year. If, if that's the conversation, if that's the baseline of what this prospect could be, and Alabama was hot on his recruiting trail to be a starter on that offensive line, I think we would be talking about this pick in a much different light than we did whenever the pick was made on on Thursday, but but kind of going back to the original question, uh, Jalen Tolbert, that's a pick for the future, a developmental wide receiver that's going to maybe have a, a high as, uh, of a ceiling as a Michael Gallup in the league. Same thing with Sam Williams, second round pick. He's going to turn around and be your rotational defensive end early on. Hopefully one year he's the starter. Then you've got Jake Ferguson. He's your number two tight end. These aren't necessarily starters that you've drafted this year. It's very interesting the way that they went about it because it wasn't the way that we anticipated going into it. Kyle, who's the diamond in the rough in this draft? Uh, you know, it's tough because I think you could talk about Jalen Tolbert. They were they were having conversations about making the pick with him at pick number 56 in the South Alabama wide receiver falls to them at pick number 88 in the third round instead. I think there was a value there that they couldn't pass up. But I also like two of the fifth-round picks. Damone Clark, the linebacker out of LSU, he has a a neck injury that really pushed his stock. I had him as a top-60 player 
in this draft. I really did like his uh, his motor, his toughness, his uh, leadership ability on the second level of that LSU defense over the last couple of years. And then his injury pushes his draft stock down, but they got him in the fifth round. Uh, it was the, the the penultimate pick in the in the fifth round as well. So they had plenty of value from him, a guy who, if he turns out to be healthy, he's had surgery on the neck, so hopefully they take their time with him. And then in six months, or even if you get red shirts as a, uh, as a rookie, then all of a sudden he's uh, ready to go as a, a second-year player, and maybe he provides a lot of depth for you from a def- uh, from a, a linebacker standpoint. So I'd say he's probably the value in the later parts of the draft, but I really do like the value they got with Jalen Colbert in the third round as well. Hey, speaking of Tolbert, with Gallup coming into this, this season off that ACL, and we don't really know if he's going to hit the field early, if he's going to have to wait, does that open the thing up for Tolbert to get some valuable reps early on in the season? Absolutely. I think he's going to fill that, that Michael Gallup role immediately on this offense. And the, the Cowboys front office had conversations about wide receivers, and there are a couple guys that are banged up or have had recent injury history, Jamison Williams, uh, most notably out of Alabama. And then you've got, uh, uh, I'm already blanking on his name, uh, George Pickens from Georgia, who was a little banged up. John Mechie from Alabama, who's banged up. They did not want to have another rehab project of a wide receiver. They wanted a guy to come in now, which tells me that through rookie mini camps, through OTAs and through training camp, you're going to hear more and more of Jalen Tolbert making an impact and, and finding a role in this offense. Because I think week one, if Michael Gallup's not ready to go, and we, we don't necessarily anticipate Michael Gallup getting ready to go by that point either, at least at this point, that's been the news all the way through. If he's ready to go, great. Then you have three receivers that you could throw the football to and feel confident with. But if not, I think the rookie in Jalen Tolbert's going to have a massive impact outside of CeeDee Lamb and that receiver core is a guy that Dak Prescott can feel comfortable throwing it to. With, and this is unrelated to the draft, but I'm just, it, it crossed my mind. Is, is, are the Cowboys looking to potentially run the football more next year? Yes, I, I think so. And the back half of the year told you exactly what you needed to know. You were not tough enough to run the football. It, whether that was from an injury standpoint an offensive line standpoint, a tight end blocking in line standpoint, doesn't matter. You were not tough enough to run the football, and you could not impose your will the way that the Cowboys are used to imposing their running game on other teams. And that You could see throughout the picks, top to bottom in this draft, that they wanted to get tougher. They did it with Tyler Smith. They did it with Sam Williams. They did it with Jalen Tolbert, uh, Jake Ferguson, John Ridgeway the third out of Arkansas. I mean, it, it doesn't matter. They got tougher from a uh, a tenacity standpoint, from a physicality standpoint, and I think they're going to expect that to happen. And the reason why Tyler Smith is most likely going to be your starting left guard is because he was one of the best run blockers in all of football or all of college football last year at Tulsa. It was the pass sets. It was when he got on an island and he, you saw him backpedaling and had to get up against athletic defensive ends, and they were able to put a move on him and have some space to do so. That's when Tyler Smith had some struggles, when he was able to run downhill, 
running a zone zone blocking scheme, pave the way and and punch a hole in a defense and break a defense in half, that's when Tyler Smith has success. So expect them to run a lot behind big number 73 because that's the number they gave them. They're going to run behind big number 73 moving into the this year. Where did the Cowboys miss in this draft, do you think? Um, it's tough to say because I, I really did like the the holes that they filled. Now, they're not going to be – you can't expect it to be a plug-and-play for every one of these guys. But I, I would say probably the linebacker spot. Uh, I mean, Damone Clark, I, I, like I said, I called him the best value in the draft a moment ago. But that's not a value that you're going to have for another two years for the most part because he would be on a pitch count this year. They would He would be in limited action for the majority of his rookie season, if any action, as a rookie. But they didn't really add anybody else. They added a couple free agents, uh, rookie free agents that they, they signed after the draft was over. Um, but right now you still seem like you're pretty thin at that spot. Jabril Cox. Luke Gifford, Leighton Van Der Esch, Micah Parsons. That's all you got from a linebacker standpoint. And they've rolled with three or four linebackers in the past, but Jabril Cox coming off an injury. Leighton Van Der Esch, notable injury history. Luke Gifford had an injury last year as well. And then you've got Micah Parsons, who spends half his time rush, rushing the pass rows and defensive end. So uh, I would say that they're still thin in the linebacker spot more so than they would enjoy to be, more than they would like to be. Uh, so I feel like that if they could have addressed the need earlier, that would have been the one. I still like Damone Clark as a play for the future, but right now they just feel short in that regard. And speaking of linebackers, man, every year we see a player that just something happens and they end up falling. What happened with N'Kobe Dean? I know they were talking about a, a, a yeah. report that come out with the injury. How much of that is smoke? How much of that is true? And why do we see that every year where somebody leaks something on one in particular player to make them fall? So it's not necessarily a leakage in terms of like uh, to the media. The way that it happens is they go to the combine and every one of the teams, all 32 NFL teams have their, their doctors, their medical staff in attendance in Indianapolis. It's part of the reason why they have the combine in Indianapolis, because there are so many hospitals uh, around the convention center, around Lucas oil stadium, downtown, to where they have enough MRI rooms, they have enough x-rays, they have enough medical equipment, ultimately where the NFL takes over the city's medical department for a short period of time, and they get all these evaluations done. So either the the teams make their own evaluations on these players, or the players' agents come out and say, hey, we've got this going on from a physical standpoint, and specifically with N'Kobe Dean, the media never knew about it. So sometimes it comes out. For instance, Justin Ross, a wide receiver from Clemson, the media knew about his medical history and his some of his things that had kind of come out along the way and that that had pushed his draft stock down to the point where he actually went undrafted. For N'Kobe Dean, the media never knew about it. However, all 32 teams knew about his injury. And his injury, it was a shoulder injury. I, I can't remember if it was left or right shoulder. And the thing, the, the other kicker with it was he does not want to get surgery on it. And so the league is sitting here saying, hey, you, would, you need to get surgery on this. And then apparently he doesn't want to get surgery. And then there's a disconnect there. 
that's the report that uh, he doesn't necessarily want to get that surgery. And if that's the case, it, it became a problem for 31 other teams. Then the Philadelphia Eagles selected him in day three and said, okay, now the value is too good to pass up. We'll try and figure out this injury thing later and make it work. Because if he's healthy, he's a first-round talent. He was a phenomenal player. You had him spot on in the fact that, that hey, at some point he slipped. He definitely did. It was because of the injury. And, and hopefully for him, uh, you would like to see him succeed. You don't necessarily want to see him succeed with a divisional rival, but he is one heck of a player. How do you uh, do? You feel good about what the Cowboys did free agent wise with uh, with the kicking game? Yeah, they went and added the the Texas Tech kicker. I'm still trying to figure out how to pronounce his name. I'm not Garibay. So I don't want to say it here. What was that word? Garibay. Garibay. That's is that that's certain. You're a play by play announcer, so I trust you. <laughs> so are you. <laughs> I know that's what I'm saying. I I, I trust you though. Uh, Garibay, okay. So you tell me about him more. You know more than I do in terms of the kicking game. How is he? Uh, I think he's going to be a good pickup for the Cowboys. He, he he was very good on PATs. Now, look, it, it's going to be different in the NFL than it was in college because you're going to have to drop it back. But he, he yeah. was able to, you know, I think he was 49 of 50 on PATs for the Red Raiders. Uh, very good uh, from – 30 in was real consistent as a field goal kicker. I, as far as deep, I, I think he was pretty good deep uh, out, pla- uh, out past 40 yards. So, uh, and, and the thing for him, too, I mean, he's kicking in that West Texas wind all the time, too. So, I mean, that's you, you get indoors and it's a little bit easier to, to be able to kick that football. So, uh, he's not having to play the angle as much. I, I think he's going to be a big pickup. For the Cowboys, I was going to ask you about him, and is there going to be? Have they done any other moves to try to get him in, and and have some competition? Yeah, there is a little competition. They they have uh, a guy from SMU by the name of Chris Nagger that that he has been in the building for a little bit. I don't think they anticipate him to be the guy moving forward. Uh, but now that you have uh, – okay, say his name one more time for me. Garibay. Garibay. Okay, I'm trying to trying to lock it in. That Now that they've got Garibay from Texas Tech in there, I think those two guys are the young, young up-and-comers in terms of kickers that are going to have a competition. They may still go get a veteran. I wouldn't be surprised if they go find a veteran because that's kind of the way that John Fossil as a special teams coordinator has rolled throughout his time. He likes to go get his own guys. Uh, of course, Zerline, they thought about bringing Zerline back, but then he goes out and signs elsewhere, and so he's off the market. They've got to find a way to get it done. Now, they could have drafted a kicker. Cade York is, was certainly an option out of LSU. Apparently, they weren't very impressed with Cameron Dicker from Texas as much as I think the media was was high on Cameron Dicker. But, uh, but yeah, I, I think they – they knew they weren't going to get anybody during the draft. I even had a conversation with Mike McCarthy after his day two press conference and said, hey, what, what's the possibility of a kicker here? And he kind of said, yeah, maybe late, maybe late. And so it wasn't necessarily surprising that they waited to go get Garibay, an undrafted free agent, free agency, and, and let that work out the way that it may. How did this draft change the dynamic of the NFC East? Ooh, I think it made it's kind of like goes back to what the Cowboys were trying to do, and that's get tougher. I think that's what the NFC East did as a whole. 
I wasn't ultra impressed with Washington's draft. They had a couple good picks here and there of guys that I liked, but the Giants, you go get Evan Neal as your offensive tackle of the future, and then you get Kayvon Thibodeau as well as an edge rusher, just an absolute mauler off the edge. He was my top player in the, the draft. I, I didn't really give in to the he's got this ego hype. I'm watching the film. That guy is an absolute monster, and so he's going to have to be uh, a big-time contributor for them, and then the Cowboys got to deal with him twice a year. Same thing can be said in the middle of that uh, that defense for Philadelphia with Jordan Davis there too. I, I'm I'm worried about him coming in and and having an impact in a uh, twice a year realm. I mean, Philadelphia made two really good picks in that first round. Then you added the Nicobe Dean later on. They I feel like the NFC East had really good drafts across the board, and the Cowboys are going to have to do their best to to try and negate that. Talk to me about backup quarterback. Uh, would the Cowboys be interested at all in Baker Mayfield if he was available? No, I don't think so, especially for the price that they would have to pay for him. Maybe they get him cheap if they wanted to go out and get him, but uh, they, I think they feel really good about Will Greer and Cooper Rush in the building because both of those guys are still under contract. They still have Ben DiNucci as well. I don't necessarily think they, they view him as a backup anymore. I think they really view him as a scout team, different look. Uh, that they could use on the practice squad. But ultimately, with Will Greer being a veteran that's been in this league for a couple of years now, Cooper Rush, who came in and won you a football game against the Vikings this past year, I think they feel good from a backup standpoint to the point where they didn't add a guy in in undrafted free agency. They didn't add a guy in the draft itself. So if they were going to try and play around with it, I think uh, they would have already seen names fly off the board. I don't think they would be interested in going and trading for a guy like Baker Mayfield, uh, even if the price was right moving into it. Kyle, as always, we, man, we appreciate it. Great stuff, great information, and uh, we appreciate your time today, as always. Yeah, guys, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Kyle Yeomans with the Dallas Cowboys.